Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you are doing well and are blessed. We are in the subject of the calling of God, and uh, we are talking about yesterday, up until yesterday, about developing, uh, you know, certain things we have to develop in the ministry. So we talked about uh, developing in our character, which is number one, then developing in, in. Uh, um, in our knowledge of the Word of God and developing in our prayer life and so on and so forth. And now, you know, yesterday, exactly yesterday, we talked about knowing the Holy Spirit. But today, I'm going to talk about developing ministry skills, developing ministry skills. Now, um, you see, one thing you have to learn about the ministry that even if you are... Um, how do you say, if you're called to, let's say, for example, you're called to a supportive ministry, you're not really called to a preaching ministry, uh, you, you, you know, and your calling is to a supporting ministry. And let's see, let's say your supportive ministry, you feel a call to work as a parking lot attendant. And that's, you know, what you do and you enjoy doing it. And that's an important ministry. It's an important service because if you were not there, there'd be chaos in the parking lot. And so, that is your ministry. But what's going to happen is that, you see, uh, this is an inevitable fact. The longer uh, you are serving God in any capacity, in any capacity, there's always people who will notice you. And uh, people will see your character. They will see your demeanor. And they will soon recognize that you are a person, a man or a woman who knows the Lord. And, you know, you could be uh, the parking lot, a parking lot attendant or you could be um, ladies serving coffee in the in the church cafeteria but it's the way in which you carry yourself the way in which you treat people people will notice they will see and they're going to and especially the younger lot the newer ones the newer believers they're going to look at you as uh, you know as as uh, as somebody who knows more than they do and soon it will be inevitable that you will end up in situations where you will have to teach people. You know, if not in a formal preaching session with you standing behind a podium or a pulpit and them sitting down, but often in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you, you, you know, you'll find you'll have to teach people. And when you do that, uh, you know, it is very important that you develop your skills in teaching people even if it's in one-on-one -on -one situations. Because, uh, you see, when people come to you with their questions, uh, you need to be able to be in a place where you can uh, systematically and uh, structure your answers. Say, for example, um, let me give you an example. Many, many years ago, back in Sweden, and uh, I, I was working as a janitor, cleaning floors and toilets. But one thing I did was... Um, our church didn't have any outreaches and all that, so I organized my own. So I gathered some of my friends and, and I think two or three nights a week, we used to go out and evangelize in a local neighborhood. And, uh, and as a result of that, uh, people saw that I began to do that. So they began to look up to me. And these were people in the church. They, they immediately assumed that I was, you know, I was in a place to help them. And so one day it was brought to my notice that there was a, um, a young man who was living together with his girlfriend and uh, he had given his life to Jesus, but she hadn't. And my friends 
thought that, uh, I mean, they felt that it was wrong that he was a new believer and uh, he was living together with his girlfriend, he was sleeping with her, but they didn't know how to explain to him uh, that it was wrong. So they came to me and so, but I knew it already. I mean, not only, we all knew that it was wrong, but I knew how to explain to him that it was wrong because uh, I had been in that kind of situation before helping others to the walk through these things. So I had the scriptures all lined up and the biblical concepts all lined up. So I sat down with this guy and his name was Kent. So I sat down with Kent and I, and I showed him from the scripture in a quite a systematic structured way so that he understood that, w that the lifestyle he was living was not pleasing to God. And so I could help him. Uh, he left his girlfriend's apartment and uh, and 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 he got his own place, and he wasn't sleeping with her, her anymore. Uh, but he was in a relationship with him. And later on, I, it's a long story, but to cut a long story short, I um, I witnessed to her, and she gave her life to Jesus. And then uh, you know they were soon married, and then I could walk with them through these things. Although I was not an official minister in the church, I was just working as a janitor. But uh, you know I. I had these new believers uh, with their problems, with their issues in life, and I just had to step in because I was the only one there who could step in, and uh, I was expected to step in. And so I, I had these concepts already. Uh, so, you know, about uh, not about, only about right and wrong and how to live and how not to live, but also being able to explain to them from the scriptures, uh, uh, you know, and so that is why. It is important for us to develop our teaching and our preaching skills, even if you will never be a, a, like a pastor or something. But just the fact that you will end up in situations where, where you'll have to teach people and say maybe uh, the church asks you, you know, if you, you and your spouse and they look at you as an exemplary marriage and say, look at this couple, they have a good marriage. And so they might call on you and ask you, could you take, please teach a class on marriage? And really uh, the only qualification you have is that you have a good marriage that works. And especially in these days when there's so many people with marriage problems and then your marriage, it stands out as being exemplary. So the pastors might say, brother, would you please teach on marriage? So it is good that, that, that you and your wife, you'll be able to teach this course together. And so you have the scriptures and you have it all lined up. And uh, so you can uh, structure a teaching uh, uh, through which you can explain because it is much easier and more effective to, uh, to, ex to explain and to teach things to people if you have a, a teaching all structured up. Now, let me just say this, you know, when I was a new believer, um, I knew so little, but then I realized that, that those who came after me, three months after I got saved, there was a bunch of um, other Muslim guys like me who gave their lives to Jesus. And, and I knew so little, I had just been a believer for three months, but they thought, uh, they looked up to me, they thought I knew a lot just because I had been in the faith uh, three months longer than them. And so I remember one day, uh, my team leader, he called us out. He said, look, we're going to do an exercise in faith. I said, what do you, what would you like us to do? So 
he divided, divided us into teams of two. And he pointed out this one guy. He said, I want you to take him and um, be gone for 24 hours. And during this 24 hours, you witness to people, preach to people, get people saved, and then believe God for your meals and uh, believe God for a place to sleep. And, and that's an exercise in faith for you. So I said, okay. So um, we went out. And so we were witnessing to people all day and we believed God for our meals. And when we are witnessing, you know, people uh, came to us and offered us food. All Muslim people offered us food. So we had dinner and now it was getting late. It was time for us to sleep. So he says, where should we sleep? I said, well, let's believe God for a place to sleep. So I, we prayed together and then I said, you know, I have an idea. I said, these Muslim mosques are open 24 hours a day. Uh, mosques are never locked. They're open 24 hours a day. And um, anyone, any traveler can go and crash out in the mosque if you want. You can just, even if they don't ask you, at least in those days, they didn't bother what your religion was. It was... They looked at it as a, you know, house of God, house of worship. So, so I, growing up in a Muslim society, so I, I said to him, I said, you know, these mosques are open 24 hours and let's go and sleep in a mosque. We'll sleep on the mats on the floor inside. And he was against, he said, no, 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 I don't want to deny Jesus. I said, you're not denying Jesus, man. I mean, it's just, <laughs> we're not going to become Muslims. We are just going to sleep in the mosque because they're hospitable. They will let us stay there. And so he began to argue and so anyway, it became, our discussion became so heated. So I said, look, you know what, let's go back to the base. So I went back to the base. It was 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock, something like that, very late. And I knocked on the door. The team leader opened the door. He said, what are you doing here? You have to come back tomorrow. I said, uh, well, he won't listen to me. And he said to him, he said to him, you should listen to your leader. And he said, yeah, but uh, I don't want to listen to him because he said we have to sleep in a mosque. So he told him to stay and he called me inside. He said, what's this? I said, well, I said to him, let's sleep in a mosque. And uh, because mosques are always open, they don't have any prayers going on at night. Any traveler can sleep on the floor in the mosque and it's clean and they have mats to sleep on. And he says, yeah, I understand. There's no... Uh, I have no problem with you sleeping in the mosque, but you see, you've got to understand, he says, this guy, he's just been saved. He's a new believer. And uh, he looks at you as a leader. I said, but I'm not a leader. I hardly know anything. He said, I know that. You've only been a Christian for three months, but because you have been there longer than he has, he expects much more from you then you think you can possibly deliver. He looks at you as a leader, so you have to be an example to him. And I said, how do I do that? He said, well, one of the things that is expected of us is uh, when we are spiritual is to walk in love, that you don't want a weaker brother to stumble. So I said, okay, I, am, I can understand that. He said, well, you see, if, if his conscience doesn't allow him to sleep in a mosque, if your conscience allows you, that's okay. But if his conscience doesn't allow him to sleep in a mosque, then you shouldn't make him do so. Because by doing so, you're not walking in love. 
and you should walk in love. So I said, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm very sorry. So, but we had need a place to sleep. He said, here, let me give you this. So he said, he gave me a little, little thing like this. And he said, this is a pup tent, little tent. It's a two-man tent. You can put it up anywhere in any park and go to sleep in it. I said, okay. So I went out and the first thing I did was apologize to this kid. I said, listen, I'm very sorry. Uh, I feel it's okay to sleep in a mosque, but since you don't, I shouldn't have pushed you. I apologize. And so he hugged me. He said, it's okay. So we went out and then we saw in a traffic roundabout, in a traffic circle, there was a little police uh, post there. Uh, which was manned 24 hours. So I asked the police officer, can we pitch our tent right here because it wasn't perhaps safe in other places. He said, why don't you have a place to stay? I said, well, we have this tent. He said, okay, fine. So we slept in a tent and we woke up in the morning and then we spent the rest of the day. Then we went back to the base. So uh, my point is this, that you see, if you have been around longer than others, whether you like it or not, whether you feel qualified or not, People will look at you as a leader. And when that happens, when people look at you as a leader, you will always be in a position where you're expected to be able to uh, teach people or, you know. So um, one, one day a woman called me and uh, I happened to know her brother. I didn't know the lady. And she called me and she was crying on the phone. She said, Pastor, can you help me? I heard you preach once. I respect you. I said, sure, meet me in my office. So I told Britta. So Britta and I went to see her. And, um, and she, she was having these horrible problems with her husband. I mean, terrible, unspeakable things. So uh, I, Britta and I talked to them, uh, talked to her encouraged her, prayed with her, and we gave her whatever we could of the scriptures, but we felt that she needed more. So she needed to talk to somebody much older and mature than us who had done more of this. So we gave her whatever we could, and then we referred her to this other pastor, and I called this other pastor, and, and then she talked to this other pastor with, together with her husband, and he helped them. But, but the thing is that wherever you go, there will always be people who will look up to you and you have to step up. So that is why I want, I always tell people, develop your teaching and preaching skills. That is, means not just your knowledge of the scripture, but your ability to structure a teaching and your ability to deliver it to people in a way so that they understand and it benefits them and it blesses them. So a, a lot of people uh, know the scriptures. They do know the scriptures, but the problem is they don't know how to deliver it effectively. So we must learn not only the scriptures, but also learn how to deliver the scriptures, how to, uh, how to explain the scriptures, explain biblical concepts to people in a way that makes sense to them so that they get it and so they can make the life changes and adjustments that are needed in their life. So that is why we have to, de we have to develop our teaching skills and preaching skills. Now, when it comes to the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So even if God has called you to be an evangelist or called you to be a teacher, you know, you it doesn't mean you're ready. You have to develop. You have to learn. And don't, uh, uh, don't stay at a shallow level, especially among evangelists. They think, uh, people think that a teacher teaches 
and evangelist preachers. So I remember I asked uh, somebody, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? Well, say that teaching is when you speak slowly and teaching is when you shout. I said, that, that doesn't make sense to me because you see, teaching is to expound scriptures to go principle by principle, scripture by scripture, precept by precept, and you build up those contexts. Preaching is, is proclaiming, but even preaching, there has to be a structure in your preaching also. Just getting up and shouting and making noise and shouting some cliches and phrases is not preaching. Good preaching is also structured. And in both cases, you are communicating truth and, the, and a good, effective preacher is one who can effectively communicate truth. A good, effective teacher is, a, uh, is, a, is somebody who can effectively communicate truth. And, uh, and, and, and the desired effect in both cases is a life change in the, in the life of the hearer. So when I preach or I teach, I want the person who hears me, listens to me. I want to be him to be gripped. I want the word of God to uh, God to use that word to grip his heart and to bring a conviction and or something into his life that will cause him to change his lifestyle. That he will he will change his uh, his his attitude or uh, or he will respond to the word in such a way so that God you know the Holy Spirit can come in and change his life so we have to develop our teaching and preaching skills and one way you do it is by listening to good teachers listening to good preachers that's why uh, you know I, uh, I, I, I used to listen to Brother Hagin I used to listen to John Osteen and, and Lester Sumrall, men of God, Harry Greenwood. I mean, these, these men, they could teach, they could preach, and, and they had a great effect on, on the souls of other people who, you know, of the people who heard them. So that's one thing we have to develop. The second thing we have to develop uh, is uh, in ministry skills is personal ministry to people in different ways, counseling, etc. So personal ministry is very important because ministry very often is not from the pulpit. Ministry is one-on-one. -on -one. We, you know, we can't be the kind of minister who only is good from the pulpit, but we are not good with people one-on-one. -on -one. We have to learn to be good with people in one-on-one -on -one situations. We have to be good to sit down uh, with people and counsel them and walk them through difficult situations in life. And uh, it can be somebody, say for example, who's, who has got sicknesses in his, in his body and he feels he's not being healed. And we have to be able to minister to that person, minister the word of God, minister grace to that person. And, uh, uh, you know, many, many, many preachers, they, they will say something like, oh, just believe God, here's this CDs, listen to them and then believe God. Now, that is not what people need. Or some other people, some Pentecostal preachers will say, oh, it's the sovereignty of God. God is a healer, but sometimes he's doing a greater work in you. Maybe it's not his time. That doesn't help that person either. What helps that person is that we can effectively give them the word of God and that we can personally then minister to them. Because um, 
you know that that personal touch is so important we just don't give people the truth but we speak the truth in love because love is what touches people's hearts love is the vehicle that carries the word of god in a way so that the word of god can get into difficult recesses of their heart and touch them and change their lives so uh, we have to learn to uh, minister to people say for example people come to you with marriage problems you've got to be able to talk to them and to be able to help them and walk them through you're sitting with a husband and wife they're both blaming each other and so i've had to deal with such things i've i've dealt uh, with the woman then i've dealt with the man then i've dealt with things with them as a couple and i'm and i'm aware that you can't uh, uh, you know there's two things uh, firstly is that many there's so much of pride in our society that normally most couples uh, they are too proud to come to their pastor and to tell them look, look we have marriage problems and often when they come they come when it's too late they have done everything else they have fought so much they have destroyed all love whatever trust was there between them and often when they come to the pastor they come at a stage which is too late and they're both very hardened and that's when they come for help and uh, that's that's very bad so we have to um, you know it's not easy to help people but we have to still do our best for them even if people are acting that way and the other thing that is important is that you can only help people if they listen to your advice if they take your advice so we have to work with those things so you know there's uh, there's marriage situations there's people facing sicknesses people having problems with their kids and people having mental issues you know there's all kinds of things in the world and we have to learn to sit down and listen to people and to speak to them the words of life and to help them and walk them through difficult situations we have to learn to counsel people sometimes you listen to people counseling a lot of counseling is listening you listen in you listen and when they have spoken then you speak to them and then you lay hands on them and pray for them we have to learn to develop those skills don't say i'm an evangelist i'm just a preacher i don't like this counseling listen you have to do those things that you don't like especially if people come to you i don't like to counsel people i don't enjoy it i'm a church planter and a soul winner but if someone knocks on my door and says brother christopher will you help me i will never say to him no no don't come and go to somebody else i will help them and i will do my best and that is why i try to learn these things as much as possible so that i can be as effective as possible then the next thing you do is and i said this before you develop your skills in the word of god you develop your in the word of god because see when you're going to help people uh, it's not through psychology a lot of help these days is is through psychology they're so called christian psychologists but the sad thing is that most of them is very little christian and more psychology they don't i mean they don't most of this i have never seen a christian psychologist who actually comes with the gifts of the spirit very few them there are a couple but there's very few mostly it's just psychology and so we have to develop ourselves in the word of god now the fourth thing about is in developing ministry skills is watch others watch how they do it pick out your role models and watch them i mean that's what i i used to do i used to watch 
Pastor John Osteen and how he ministered to people. I watched his compassion for people, the way he loved people. I watched him the way he used to speak to people and the love he had for people. I watched that. I watched Brother Hagen, the way he used to preach and how the Holy Spirit flowed through him. I, I, <coughs> I watched men of God. Uh, I used to watch Pastor Stan Nilsson in Sweden, great man of God, and uh, his skill more than the pulpit was his one-on-one -on -one skills with people and I used to watch him the way people used to come to him and the fatherly way in which he used to help those people. So I learned a lot by watching people. If you watch people, not just watch people, but you watch the right people, you will learn a lot. Uh, you know, when I was at Rema, uh, people sometimes, some of these guys used to watch the wrong thing. They say, oh, I want to, I want, when I buy an airplane like this guy, I'll have a big ministry. And I said, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're not, it's not ministry. It's not about having an airplane and going from city to city preaching. Ministry about is about people. It's about compassion for people. And men, most of these people who fly around in private planes, they don't have time for individuals. They're good from the pulpit, but they're not good one-on-one. -on -one. So I said to people that most of us will never have a ministry like this when I'm in front of a TV and nobody really gets to know me personally, except for a few wealthy uh, supporters, millionaires who support me. They're the only ones who have access to me. Where I am right now, 99% of the people who approach me are ordinary people, but with big problems. I have had, haven't had one person with a private, well, only one guy, only one man with a private jet who came to me with his problems and his kids and his, you know, I helped him. But 99.9% .9 of the people who come to me are regular people. So prepare yourself for that, okay? Don't build your ministry on having dreams of, of, uh, of buying your own jet and traveling around. That's what you want to be. And so you follow that guy. No, follow the ordinary pastors, ordinary men of God who minister to people. Okay. So lastly, develop people skills, learn to love people. Let me, you know, one thing my pastor, Pastor Sam Smucker said many years ago, you know what he said to me? I'll never forget this. It was about 25 years ago. He said, many people who fail in ministry. He said they are good preachers. They pray a lot. He said they, are, they, they have good knowledge of the scriptures. They are good in prayer. And they have everything. They know everything in their head. And they are good preachers. But he said, but one thing where they fail, they don't have people skills. They don't have people skills. And that is one area where we have to develop our people skills. People skills is we have to learn to love people. We have to, you know, uh, one very, very famous minister, I wouldn't tell you his name, his own brother told me, he says, you know, my brother, he, uh, how did he put it? He said, he said, he loves crowds, but he hates people. And I thought, oh, how terrible that is. You know, we can't be like that. And so that's why he said to me, I can never work with my brother because, I mean, he's just different, you know. He, he loves crowds, but he hates people. So we have to learn to love people. Amen. We have to learn to love people because we, in the ministry, uh, the people who, uh, ordinary people are not the ones who will be, uh, who'll be giving you trouble, who will end up sitting across your desk. It is people who have problems. They're the ones who normally end up in your 
office looking for advice. But those are the people we have to learn, learn to love. It's easy to love the ordinary people. It's easy to love the guy who says, oh, pastor, uh, thank you for your teaching. They have really blessed me. Here's a thousand dollar check for you. It's easy to love those people. But the people who, who are trouble in every way, uh, the kind of people you want to hide from, you see them coming down the road, you want to look for a place to hide. They are the ones who need you. So we have to learn to love those people. Then we have to learn to understand people. Because you see, you will find out that when you have troublesome people, there is a, there is a reason why they are the, the way they are. Sometimes people hurt others. And one day my wife, Britta, she said to me something I'd never heard before. She said, honey, hurt people hurt people. That means people who have been hurt, they are the ones who hurt others. People who hurt others are the ones who have been hurt the most in life. They're just wounded. And so we have to learn to understand when people do bad things, people do wrong things. We have to learn to have compassion for them and to, and to understand why they act the way they do. So that is developing people skills and to serve people serve people, be a servant to people. And everybody wants a big church, but be having a big church also means um, having more people to serve. Like I've got, I've got one, uh, one of my best friends in the ministry. He's a big brother to me. I love that man to pieces. Pastor Stanley Hofweg of Amsterdam. I mean, he, he, you know, he doesn't uh, insulate himself from his people. He's, he's got a very big church, but I mean, he goes to weddings, funerals, birthdays. There's old ladies who have birthdays. They want their pastor to come. And you know, here's the thing. I believe in delegation, but here's the thing. If you are a good pastor and you have a good impact on people's lives and their families, then you know what's going to happen? People, everybody wants a piece of you. So if people... Uh, always they expect you. No, oh, I want the pastor to come to my daughter's wedding. I want the pastor to come to my birthday. It's really, it's not that they want to trouble you. It's because they love you very much. Because if they wouldn't love you, then they wouldn't care whether you came or you sent somebody else. So I believe in delegation, but it's one of those catch-22 situations because you want to delegate. But at the same time, your people love you so much. And so you have to be available for them. So that's when you have to, to divide your time. Because normally what we do, we like to sit in the office, do all the other stuff and uh, delegate the thing they have to do with people to others. And maybe it's that way to do things the other way around. That you as the man of God, you delegate some of those administrative things to good people while you are out there among the people. Maybe that's the way you should. So instead of staying in the office all the time and delegating the people's things to others, you do the people's things yourself. Take a young man with you so he can learn from you. But uh, so Pastor Stanley Hobbes, he's like 70 some years old, but the man has the energy of a, of a young man. I mean, he is tireless. He's all going to birthdays, going to weddings, going to funerals, and because the people love him, love him to pieces. And I once remember a young lady in the church, she loved her pastor so much that she told me, she says, sometimes people, my uh, people uh, 
criticize my pastor. He's like my father and you know, I'm a black belt. I want to beat them up. I said, honey, don't, don't, don't beat them up. Okay. So, but that's how people love their pastor. And it's, a, and if so, listen, if people are always pulling on you, they want you to come to their birthdays and they want you to be involved in one thing. Take it as a compliment. It's because people love you because you're a good minister of the gospel and you have had a good effect on their lives. So uh, serve people. That's a good thing. So developing people skills is the most important thing in ministry because ministry is not just about teaching and preaching and delivering from the pulpit. It is about people. It is about touching people. And we touch people through our preaching and we touch people through counseling and all that. But to love people, to spend time with them, to understand them, to listen to them, to talk to them, to serve them, to be there for them in their difficult moments and to be there for them when they rejoice at times of rejoicing at weddings and birthdays, you know, and then develop, lastly, develop compassion. Compassion is actually simple. It is to see people through the eyes of Jesus. May the Lord Grant us great compassion in our hearts so that we can see people through the eyes of Jesus. Well, praise God. Let us, uh, I've gone a little bit over time, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for doing a great work in our lives. Lord, making us able ministers of the gospel. Lord, use us for your glory. May Jesus be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name. Well, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow and tomorrow we'll be talking about the five-fold ministry gifts. God bless you.